0: Hello there. Welcome to Christianity 101. If you don't know by now, I'm Chris McMichael. I'm the pastor of our church. And so we have recorded these 14 lessons, perhaps because you, aren't, you weren't able to make it to the Sunday schools, or maybe you want to study these after the fact, or maybe you're listening to this by pod school. Either way, I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, I'm honored to be coming to you through our technology department. But we have 14 lessons we need to cover Uh, This is called Christianity 101. Don't let that insult you. You may be born again. You may have been in the ministry for 25 or 30 years. But if you're joining our church, this is something the Lord dealt with me about years and years ago as a proving ground for any new member. We had some people years ago who were offended that I would ask them to take a 13 or 14 week class. Before they could join the church, they even kind of mockingly said, well, I could even teach that class. Why should I have to sit under it? I could teach it. And one of our church members said, we could teach it too, but we'll take it if the pastor requires it of us. And that is the curriculum doing its job. It's weeding out the rebels from those that truly want to obey God. If you're called to join our church, the Lord already knows in advance what he's spoken to me to do to prove you. And so think of this curriculum, if you are already saved, been born again a long time, perhaps you are a student of the Word, think of this curriculum as Gideon's water, where the Lord is going to bring you down to the water and prove you to see if you're good enough to join this local army. And if you can't sit for 13 or 14 weeks and taste of these waters, then maybe you weren't meant to be a part of this assembly. But I believe you can. These are wonderful classes. We have all of our church members, somewhat seems like on a regular basis, retake Christianity 101 just to boost their foundational doctrine and to know this so they can go and host Bible studies in their own home, their own apartment, maybe at the university. I have no idea what they're doing with it, but they're building the kingdom with it. So let's begin. I'm going to open with a word of prayer, then we're going to begin. All of our lessons will be approximately 45 minutes. Father, we thank you today for the mighty name of Jesus and for the teaching and preaching of your word. I thank you for Engrafted Word Church and all the precious saints you have drawn here and called here to both be discipled, to be perfected, but also to help with the labor and to help run with the vision. I pray that these lessons are a blessing to those that hear it. May all those that are called to this local church catch the vision and run with it. I thank you, Lord, for anointing me as the pastor and anoint the dear listener in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is lesson one, and we call this engrafted word church history and vision. It's important that you know the history and the vision of the church you're joining. Every church has its own unique culture. Every church has its own unique foundation as far as how they were founded and what the the launching pad for them was. It's important that as you come into a new church that the Lord assigns you to, that you're able to make the adjustment, the acclamation. Every church has its own little lingo, its own personality. That's affected by region. It's affected by the families there. That's affected by the vision and the assignment that God has placed upon them. So we, we have written these lessons and also this, this first lesson in particular so you understand where we're coming from. It's important that we come together in agreement. The Bible says, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? And so that's part of the purpose of this. So I want you to know our church's history. I have been a part of this church, I kind of say on and off, because I left for about six years, but I came to this church for the first time in October of 1995, and then I finally joined this church in April of 1996, so there was a bit of about seven months gap there, and from 96 until 2000, excuse me, to 99, I never left. I moved away uh, to serve at another church, I had graduated college. But I moved away, served at another church for five years, and then the Lord called me to Indianapolis to go to Bible school, which is where I met my wife, Miss Manda. And then I was about to go to the Philippines when the Lord called me back here to Cookville. So I returned in 2005. So I was gone from May of 99 to May of 2005, six years. So I say, this is 2018, we've recorded this in 2018, that I've been a part of this church on and off since 1995. And so I kind of know some of the longevity of it. When I joined this church, it had been in existence for 12 years. As of this year, we're celebrating 35 years of ministry and existence, which means I've been a part of it for the greater portion of it now. And I've pastored it as of this recording for 11 years, which means I've, I have steered this ship for one-third of its existence. Let me give you the background of our church history. Our church was founded in 1983 by the late Pastor Kenny Vaughn, Kenneth James Vaughn. He used to call himself KJV, uh, as in the King James Version, or Kenneth James Vaughn. He founded it in 1983 under the name Cookville Christian Fellowship. And the theme verse that he established for our church was James 121, which is still our theme verse to this day, and we're very proud of that theme verse. James one twenty one says, Therefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity or overabundance of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So that's where we get the title or the new name for our church, Engrafted Word Church. Lay aside all filthiness and all superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Pastor Vaughn was raised a Methodist, but wasn't saved until he was 21, and he was born and raised here in Cookville. He was saved supernaturally while driving home from a bar early one Sunday morning. Pastor Vaughn used to be a champion karate uh, competitor. He was a black belt and was very notorious. Even to this day, some people still remember the ferocity with which he was a fighter when he was a pagan. And so he was working as a bartender south on 111, and was seeking God because he was miserable and demonized. But he supernaturally got born again, driving home early on a Sunday morning from a bar. And he said he heard the voice of the Lord speak to him and say, I want you in my church. And he looked up and he saw a Baptist church. He said, Lord, I'm not Baptist, I'm Methodist. And I smell like beer and I'm wearing blue jeans. I'll be in your church next Sunday. He briefly co-pastored a Baptist church until they asked him to leave due to doctrinal differences. And really what that was, was Pastor Vaughn was reading the Bible on his own, having no formal training. And he saw the laying on of hands, and he was praying for people back in the late 70s and early 80s, and they were getting healed. And that was upsetting some of the denominational folks he was running with. Many of the church members had begun to seek him out in private for healing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He got baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues while being a co-pastor of a Southern Baptist church. And so because of these differences of doctrine he was asked to leave. And God then led Pastor Vaughn to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma, technically Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, to attend Rhema Bible Training Center in 1981. So he was out there for two years and upon graduation in 1983, he and his family returned to Cookville to start our church when he was 25 years old. He founded the church that met briefly at a house and then the buildings that we're currently in, the corner building that is now our kids wing, the corner store used to be the old Christian bookstore and in the back in the early, actually through the 80s, there was a room for small concerts and a lot of the folks who are Christian musicians now, names you would know and recognize very well, when they were little nobodies coming out of Nashville, they would come and perform little concerts in the back of the Christian bookstore, right over here where the Royal Rangers room is now. That's where our church officially launched Meeting on Sunday mornings. It quickly began to grow because Pastor Vaughn was bringing the move of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, tongues and interpretation of tongues, and miracles and laying on of hands. And faith, the word of faith revival, was really going in those days. And so the church had to quickly move over to the next storefront, which was also part of our kids' wing now. And so we occupied 3,000 square feet, I think beginning about uh, 1983-84. And we remained in those 3,000 square feet till about 1989. Pastor Vaughn started this church with the mandate to teach my people about the move of the Holy Spirit. So this church was established 35 years ago with the mandate to the original founding pastor to teach God's people the move of the Holy Spirit. This was truly a pioneering work for our region in 1983. Now, we had Pentecostal denominations in those days, but they were kind of restrained by the denominational aspect. And they weren't exactly moving with what was called the word of faith revival in those days. They had the gifts, but they were, they were perhaps a little restrained. Perhaps a little, had grown a little religious. What Pastor Vaughn did in those days was truly groundbreaking and pioneering. And what he brought back from Rhema and Kenneth Hagen Ministries was picked up by other churches and helped refresh some of those other Pentecostal denominations in our region. The church was founded in the basement of his home and then quickly moved to the back of Cornerstone Christian Bookstore. We now own that facility, that building. We still have maintained or we kept, uh, when we bought the building, we, we took down but we kept the Cornerstone Christian Bookstore sign and it now hangs in one of our preparation rooms over here where the copying machine is. After a few months of services in the back of Cornerstone Christian Bookstore, the storefront next door became available and the church moved into it. And this allowed the church to have 3,000 square feet to call its own. So the church was growing. Within three or four months, they had to buy or, or rent and acquire more space. In 1988, the church had outgrown its current location. So, really, just in five years, 3,000 square feet was not good enough. And so not wanting to move locations, Pastor Vaughn looked to lease this facility. Now in those days, this building, this sanctuary that we're in, was a athletic store. Before that, it was the Five and Dime. And then it became like a, kind of like a Dick's Sporting Goods or a Academy Sports, but it was local. And it had remained vacant. Uh, the store had gone out of business, had moved away. It remained vacant, but nobody wanted the church to move into it. Now keep in mind, in those days, we were a cult or so they said, because we spoke in tongues, laid hands on the sick, cast out devils. That really rocked the religious boat in our region. Think about this. It's 35 years ago. This town is countrified, and all we got is neck-deep religion. So a, a little local preacher comes, and his church is booming with tongues, casting out demons and miracles. Yeah, we're going to be called a cult. And in those days, we're located here on the west side. The West Side Business Association did everything they could to keep this storefront here from being rented to our church. Pastor Vaughn looked to lease the storefront adjacent to its existing location, which had just become available and then connect the two spaces. However, the local business association was already unhappy with the church residing in a local storefront and so was further irritated at the church's desire to expand and take even more historic property. They moved against the church politically, even having meetings to discuss what could be done to blockade the church's expansion. Now, that wasn't just men doing that. That was demons moving against a small revival. Now, I like to joke now, looking back 35 years ago, 30, well, I guess that was 30 years ago, they tried to stop what the church was doing. And those men have come and gone, have died. Some of them sure probably went to hell. Their businesses have petered out, gone bankrupt, or ended in dissolution, and yet our church is still here slowly taking up more storefront every season God tells us to take up more storefront. That makes me smile. That's the vindication and the justice of the kingdom of God. Not that we're special, but that the kingdom of God is unstoppable and a bunch of cookful businessmen can't stop it. (laughs) To think that they could is such arrogance. One weekday in prayer service, Pastor Vaughn directed the members in attendance to lay hands on the wall the two buildings shared and shout at the wall to come down. It's pretty cool. This wall behind us here, they were on the other side, and they laid hands on that wall, and they proclaimed, let this wall come down. Give us this building. The church took possession of the property a few weeks later in June of 1998. Excuse me, 1988. It had been a two-year battle to get this this property. This expanded the church's facilities to 12,000 square feet. Our sanctuary has been in the same place ever since. Our sanctuary, I think, is about 5,000 square feet. We seat about 250, 300 people in here. We've packed it out for funerals of people that were well-beloved and maybe an occasional special service or two. But for now 30 years, we have been in this sanctuary. This has been the sanctuary of God for our church. At least five businesses that have actively lobbied against the church's expansion soon went out of business. That just goes to show you, like they said in the book of Acts, if it's God, leave it alone. If it's not God, it'll peter out. If it is God, we can't resist it. At least five businesses that moved against us soon went out of business, bankrupt. Over the years, several other hostile businesses have also failed or experienced the death of the owners. Today, we enjoy great favor with our local businesses, and so we're thankful for that. Every once in a while, a demon wants to flare up and snare up and try to motivate or provoke somebody, but we just celebrated 35 years of being on the west side here, and even in the 11 years I've been here, I've seen businesses come and go. I've seen businesses come and go. We hate it for the the financial hardship that maybe the families face, but the kingdom is established forever. And a holy, clean, righteous church is immovable, and so it's always wise and advisable that a business owner leave the church alone. Actually, better wisdom would be for a business owner to support the kingdom of God. If you want to be blessed, support what Jesus Christ is doing. The church has enjoyed many revivals, our many years of revival, missionary trips, salvations, miracles, signs and wonders, praise and worship, and church growth. We have done a lot of work out of this building. I began attending Cookville Christian Fellowship in April of 1996 as a college student at Tennessee Tech. Again, the first time I attended was October of '95, but I was visiting for a demonology seminar that Pastor Vaughn hosted around Halloween of that year. I attended here for three years before moving away upon graduating college. I moved back to Cookville and CCF in May of 2005 after canceling a move to the Philippines. Our founding pastor, Pastor Vaughn, he passed away of cancer in April of 2007. So I had returned and was able to spend the last two years of Pastor Vaughn's life with him, serving in the church. I wasn't able to be very close with him because he was battling cancer and was at home a lot. And I was a a young man. I'm young now, but I was even younger then. And so there were church elders in place that were taking care of things. But at least I got to be with him the last two years of his life. Uh, My wife and I were set in as pastors in October of 2007. So Pastor Vaughn died in April and his widow had the wisdom to kind of let things settle out for six months. We had a lot of great teaching elders, and they were all assigned a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, and a Wednesday night for a season. And so the church maintained health and stability through those teaching elders. A lot of people left. They were, they were disheartened and brokenhearted by the death of our pastor, and they were picked up by other churches. Some of them maybe fell to the wayside, but our church continued. So six months after he passed away, my wife and I were set in to be pastors of our church. In 2010, after a painful three-year healing process from the death of Pastor Vaughn, and please understand, he had been over this church for nearly 25 years. And so the core family here, it was hard for us to imagine CCF, Cookville Christian Fellowship, without Pastor Vaughn. And even after I took over, we continued to bleed because I wasn't Pastor Vaughn. We continued to lose people because my style was different no matter how much I tried to be like Pastor Vaughn. And we had a mess to clean up, because he'd spent, honestly, two or three years dying, and things were deteriorating. Leadership wasn't what it needed to be. Things had gotten loosey-goosey because he was sick and not in the office. We spent three years fixing things, overhauling things, repairing things. And so in 2010, in order to give the church a fresh start, we renamed the church. We renamed it We changed the name from Cookville Christian Fellowship to Engrafted Word Church. And we did that, number one, to give us a fresh start. But when Pastor Vaughn started Cookville Christian Fellowship, in those days, to kind of get away from religion, those that were involved in the moves of the Holy Ghost, they, they weren't naming their churches church. They were naming their things like assembly or fellowship. But when it came time for us to rename the church, it's almost like the pendulum had swung the other direction, and we were experiencing churches who were ashamed to call themselves a church now. So they were calling themselves by single words, single adjectives, you know, mosaic or the life or the fit or the fountain. And you couldn't tell if it was a nightclub, a bar, a fitness facility or a church. So I determined we're going to swing this back into what Jesus Christ said in Matthew 16. Upon this rock, I will build my church. So I said, first and foremost, we're going to be called a church again. That's going to be in our name. So when people drive by, they don't misunderstand what we are. Cookville Christian Fellowship sounds like it could be a business association of Christians, maybe a fraternity of Christians. It's a Christian fellowship, but is it a church? Yes, we are a church. The other thing I decided to do was to honor Pastor Vaughn's memory by taking his theme verse of Receive with Meekness the Engrafted Word and honoring him and the foundational work he did by calling it Engrafted Word Church. We maintain the same logo, which is the branch with the or the tree trunk with the branch engrafted. With, bear, with new fruit being born. In horticulture, when you graft two trees together or two branches together or a branch with a different tree, you'll produce a hybrid fruit, a fruit that was never possible before. And so that's been our logo. Our our logo for 35 years has always been some form or fashion of an engrafted branch bearing new fruit. In 2013, the Lord spoke to me to expand the tent of our habitation and to Stop renting or leasing these facilities and purchase them. Now, at the time, we had, I think, 10 and a half or 11 acres down south of town. We had spent a copious amount of money designing a new facility. It had been Pastor Vaughn's vision that we move to our own facility and our own property. Again, part of that was long-term vision. Part of that was also in those days, it wasn't cool to be a storefront church. We were always taking kind of a cultural hit for it. People thought we were a cult or or here in the South, what kind of church is in the storefront? Well, what do they do in that storefront? Why they got curtains up in the windows? Well, if you, if you didn't know, we, we are former five and dime stores, so we have about a million square feet of plate glass. So to have some privacy, we put up, curtains and we've since framed in a wall there I had one local business owner say you know you what's up with the covering up the windows what are you guys trying to hide I said which church do you go to and they said such and such church I said where are the windows into your sanctuary and she said oh touche I said it affords us some worship privacy we're not ashamed of the gospel we do door-to-door evangelism so we were having issues As a storefront, so there's a little bit of a peer pressure there that we're really not a church till we have our own facility. So there was no thought ever given to purchasing these storefronts. It was always a launching pad in the previous mindset. So 10, 11 acres were purchased. We spent a lot of money on engineering fees and and structural engineering fees only to discover that if we were going to build a facility south of town with the equivalent of our square footage, we weren't gonna be able to afford it. At the time, as crazy as this may sound, we were leasing 12,000 square feet for $2,000 a month. That's insane. To build 12,000 square feet south of town was gonna cost us a mortgage of 34,000 a month. (laughs) So let's see, 2,000 a month for for 12,000 square feet or 34,000 a month for a mortgage on the same amount of square footage. That didn't even require prayer. And so we decided to stay. Everybody said, pastor, let's just stay. We've been here for 26, 27 years. Let's just stay. So we decided to do that. And that's when the Lord began to speak to me about expanding the tent of our habitation and purchasing these facilities. The church felt good about that. We don't really listen to the congregation because they're not always in agreement. But on that, we were entirely in agreement. Plus, it bore witness with what the Holy Spirit was telling me. That made me nervous because now we're going to buy something and really my name's going to be on it. So the man that owned these buildings, who was a good Christian brother in town, he kept coming to me saying, Pastor, you want to buy these buildings? And I'd say, no, Pastor, you want to buy these buildings? I said, no, I was nervous about it. So when the Lord finally told me to do it, I still was scared but we moved ahead. We didn't buy 12,000 square feet. He ended up talking me into buying 18,000 square feet. And so now we own 18,000 square feet of historic storefront. As far as I can tell, we are the largest private property owner on the west side, on the historic side of town. Nobody owns as much property as we do privately held. And now what's kind of cool is the American church culture has swung to the other extreme, and now to own historic church front or ex- historic buildings in the old part of town. Our sanctuary is over 100 years old, or the building is. We have these exposed rafters that are 100 years old and brick that's 100 years old. We're cool now. It used to, you looked down upon churches that were storefront. Now we're what a lot of people want to be. And so we give God all the glory for it because we drug our feet in every direction. It was not our, our idea or our plan We have simply obeyed God. 15,000 feet are used for church. And actually, this uh, curriculum is out of date. I need to update it. 3,000 feet are currently used as rental property. That is not true. They moved out, and we didn't feel good about putting in another tenant, so we took over, and now I don't know what we do without it. We use it as storage. We use it as construction zone. We've used it as a fellowship hall. We're about to do some new things over there, put some offices over there, put some server racks over there. We've got to do some sprinkling over there as of this recording, but that's where it stands. Since purchasing these 18,000 square feet in 2014, we have now completely gutted and completely remodeled all 18,000 square feet. We purchased all of this, including the parking lot directly behind us. We purchased all of this for $720,000 We put another half a million dollars into it over three or four years of construction and remodeling that we did 90, 95% of the work of ourselves. And within the last year, when our insurance adjuster came through and rated everything, he estimated the value of our facility now to be 3.1 million, which to God be all the glory. 3.1 million, and we paid 720,000 for it. And then some sweat equity and a little bit of extra equity. So that kind of brings us up to date with this building. Now, let me give you my vision in that I don't have a vision to be a mega church. I don't have a vision to outgrow this facility. We have hit a sweet spot. We could probably easily pastor an additional 100 people. Uh, We'd have to go to two services just for all the kids that would come with that. But we have hit a very sweet spot in church membership where the finances allow us to do anything God calls us to do. And yet we can still have our hand on every family, praying for them, watching over them, shepherding them, adjusting messages to help them, encouraging them, and the church not be so big that you don't know who you're sitting next to. My vision is this, that if the church starts to get too big, I'll either preach harder and thin the herd, or probably more likely, I will spin off another church, as the Lord permits. We have a vision to start other churches. We shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. Let's look at our church vision here. That's this next section on your curriculum. And Grafted Word Church has a vision to evangelize our world for Jesus Christ. That's that's. I don't know if that's our greatest vision, but that is certainly the Great Commission. Anything and everything we do as a Christian is done to evangelize. Now, I don't mean to diminish evangelism because we do a lot of evangelism, but to say that's our emphasis, it's not our sole emphasis. Perhaps our sole emphasis is, is discipleship so that you, the Christian, can do the work of the ministry and become the evangelizing soul winner. We want to evangelize our world for Jesus Christ beginning first with Cookville and the Upper Cumberland region. So that's a big emphasis. That's the Great Commission. Our second point of our vision is we endeavor to make disciples for Jesus out of these converts by teaching them to observe everything that Jesus and the epistles teach. And for that reason, we're very big on teaching. Though I'm called a preacher, I'm technically a pastor, but what I do is I teach. You won't hear me yell a lot. I'm not a big exhorter. You'll find that fundamentally, I'm a line upon line, precept upon precept teacher. I can get fired up. The preach can get on me, but I'm not a preacher. I'm a teacher. We do a lot of teaching in this church to make disciples. Preachers preach and promote and exhort and provoke. Teachers teach, expound doctrine, and they make disciples. Preachers provoke disciples and exhort disciples. Teachers tend to make them and construct them. Anyway... We desire to see the saints of God raised up and trained in the uncompromised Word of God so they may live victorious lives and be blameless in a corrupt and wicked generation. We endeavor to train every Christian to help and serve in the local church, thus finding and fulfilling the call of God upon their life. We are very strong on the ministry of helps around here. And so what that means is I don't smile kindly upon bench warmers. If you're going to be a part of this church, I want you to get involved in the ministry of helps. We have curriculum. We have lots of curriculum on the ministry of helps. But one of the things Jesus Christ said in Matthew's gospel is, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. A yoke is for work. And so when you take the Lord's yoke upon you, what that means, what it implies is you're doing work in the kingdom. And that, he also said when you take his yoke upon you, you'll learn new things, things of him you can't learn just by sitting and taking notes. So we want you to get involved in the ministry of helps because that helps build the kingdom, it helps build your Christianity, it teaches you things that you can't be taught from the pulpit or taught from the scriptures alone. Part of our vision is to see you as a Christian raised to the next level. Maybe you feel called to be a minister, maybe you feel like this is a stop in your, in your progression serving God. We, we have things we can teach you. If you're called here, it's because we have things you need. It also means you have things we need. So I would encourage you to humble yourself and quickly take on the flavors that God has ordained here because if you're called to be a part of this church, that means there's flavors here you don't have and there's flavors you have that we desperately need too. It should be mutually beneficial. It should be symbiotic and not parasitic. We have a vision for raising up men and women who are called to the fivefold ministry, according to Ephesians 4.11, We still believe in the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and teacher. I'm not of the religious notion, because it's not a doctrine. There's no scripture to back it up. I'm not of the religious notion that the miracles and the apostles' office and the prophets' office passed away in 70 A.D. I'm not really sure where that notion comes from, except for they're looking for a good way to explain how their denomination doesn't see the supernatural anymore. But I'm not really sure how General Titus ransacking Jerusalem in accordance to the prophecies of Jesus Christ in the Temple Mount discourse there in Matthew 24 and Luke 21. I'm not real sure how a pagan military leader killing hundreds of thousands of Jews after he starved them to death, how that has anything to do with the church. When all those prophecies were to warn Jerusalem and Judea And the Jews about the coming judgment on them. I'm not really sure how that switched off what Ephesians 4 says is necessary for the perfecting of the saints. But then again, that's just me. You know, it's a religious notion for them, it's not sound doctrine. We still believe in the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And so we have a vision to help raise up ministers and to train them for ministry to flow with the Holy Spirit as a ministry gift given to perfect the body of Christ. We endeavor to raise these ministers up and send them out into their own ministry for the glory of God. I have no desire to bottleneck any ministry, any gifting, any calling, any missionary, any psalmist, any worship leader, any minstrel, whatever you feel like you're called to do. I want to help raise you up and get you out there because this world is falling apart. This nation needs able ministers. And I just happen to believe if I sow you as a minister, if you're called, then I can also reap more people into this local church. So I'm not up for stifling anybody's gift, but I am for helping raise it up. We have a strong heart and vision for world missions. As it is, I probably go overseas now four times a year Uh, It looks like it may expand to five or six times a year. I'm in a different country uh, quite often. This year, I'll be in Africa four times, in uh, Iceland once, or Europe once. That changes a little bit every year. We do a lot of different works overseas, and we've sent other teams to other parts of the world. And so we have a strong heart for world missions. We probably bring in, as guest ministers, equal parts Americans, as we do equal parts foreigners, because we need to see that the world is bigger than Cookville. I have a strong conviction that every Christian should take at least one short-term mission trip in their entire life. Just one. just At least one. And we endeavor as the hearts of the people cry out and the will of God aligns. We have the connections to set up short-term mission trips for anybody that wants to go. I think you should take a mission trip somewhere. We desire to raise the standard in every area of life and godliness, promoting the spirit of excellence, doing all things as unto the Lord now one of the things I have endeavored to do in this church is raise up the gospel standard I don't know if you're new to Cookville if you're new to the region or if you're just new to our church but one thing you'll find and observe is that the Upper Cumberland is very backwards in many areas the Upper Cumberland there's many people in our region that live like a third world people they live in gross darkness they live in gross poverty At one point, we were the meth capital of the country. At one point, TBI estimated that Cookville City had 3,000 meth labs operating in it. That's like one in 10 people cooking meth. (laughs) How? We have high infidelity rate. We have high, high homosexuality rate. We have a high illegitimacy rate. DCS and the courts stay busy. Our jail is overcrowded. Needless to say... The Upper Cumberland needs a lot of Jesus. I endeavor in this church, this is our vision, to raise up a high standard of excellence. For that reason, we've often been criticized and people have said that we think we're better than everybody else. I don't think we're better than anybody else, but I think our standard must be. If we as a church are called to help this region, we cannot help this region by being like this region. Now, I understand Paul said, I've become all things to all men. He said, yet not without the law to Christ. And what he he was teaching there is he said, as to the Jews, I became as a Jew. He demonstrated that in the book of Acts. He would come to them from Moses and the prophets when he would try to preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he said to the Jews, excuse me, to the Gentiles, or as to those without the law, as without the law. What does that mean? Well, when he'd go to a Gentile, say, in Corinth, or maybe in Lydda, or in Macedonia, he can't start his sermon out saying, even as Moses prophesied, because the Gentiles don't have the law, they don't have Moses and the prophets, they're going to say, wait, who's Moses? He can't go to the Gentiles and say, even as the prophet Elisha has said. The Jews knew exactly what that meant. The Gentiles saying, wait a minute, back up. Um, Who's Elisha? He had to adjust the gospel and come at them from a different perspective because they had no foundational construct of Moses and the prophets. But the Jews, he would debate with them, proving from the scriptures that this Christ, this Jesus was the very Christ. We can't help this region by smelling like this region. We can't help this region by coming down to the level that is here. We have to set the high standard, proclaim it, and let people come up. Lift up thy eyes, for thou salvation draweth near. We endeavor to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led ministry, allowing the Holy Spirit of God to direct every facet of every service. And so if you didn't know by now, we are a tongue-talking church. We speak in tongues. We have interpretation of tongues when is necessary. We flow in the gifts of the Spirit. We lay hands on people. We allow the worship team to flow in spiritual songs, or as we call them, new songs and spirit-led songs. Uh, We've cast out demons, it seems like, almost on a regular basis. We operate in words of knowledge, words of wisdom and prophecy. We still dress up for church because the Bible teaches us we ought to honor God. And in our region, people dress up for work every day. The police officer dresses up. The guy that changes your oil wears a uniform. When I worked at the zinc mine in Carthage, I wore a uniform every day. The doctor has a uniform. Even at Starbucks, they have a uniform. They they have a bare minimum they must wear. And so I believe... If we're going to make church the highest point of our week, if we're going to obey the psalmist and, and go up to the house of God, then we're going to honor God with our very best. That doesn't mean you have to wear a suit and tie, but I believe it means you should wear your very best. There's a problem when a Christian will dress better for his date night, Friday and Saturday night, than he will to honor his God Sunday morning. So I'm totally against this notion of casual church. Now, we dress up differently for different services. Sunday morning, we put on our Sunday best whatever that is for you we have a multicultural church so sometimes the africans will wear their african garb which i love and we have indians in our church from from india not native americans but indians and they'll wear their indian garb and i absolutely love that we want to come with our very best and hopefully the longer you serve god your very best gets better because you've gotten better so That's part of our vision of honor. We have a vision to start new churches in our region by raising up strong teams to be part of these future church plants. And as I said previously, if our church starts to get too big, I'm going to spin off another church. I already have a few ministers in training kind of in the wings who, when the Lord gives us word, we'll start it. We've looked at planting a church down in Swanee, and, and Mont Eagle, which is south near Alabama. We're, we're currently looking at Salina, which is north near Kentucky. Uh, we're going to do this. We're going to start churches. I'm under the mindset that which is stronger, one church of 5,000 people or 50 churches of 100? Think about the math. What is stronger, one church of 5,000 or 50 churches of 100? One church of 5,000 in a community or 50 churches of 100 in the same community. I think you understand which one's more powerful. But I also understand the American culture has kind of refracted how we do kingdom work in America. In America, the American culture is bigger, more numbers. In America, we measure success by numbers. It's an American metric. It's an American culture. God doesn't ever brag on any church in the Revelation for the size of their congregation. I've learned this that where there's more sheep, there's more manure. And I've learned this, that where there's bigger churches, there's darker corners, and there's a lot more carnality to deal with. Plus a church of 5,000, you can't put your hand on everybody to pastor them or to care for them. So miscellaneous. We have numerous departments within our church, and we encourage every believer and member to find a department that appeals to them and begin to actively serve in that area. Once you complete the 14 weeks of Christianity 101, that'll conclude and there'll be a timed meeting where you can come and be taught in the ministry of helps. And and you'll come and we'll train you for four hours on a Saturday about the ministry of helps and we'll get you plugged in. If you've joined this church, you got to serve somewhere. This will help you. It's often the future at the point of this for you. But if you'll take these 13 and 14 weeks of Christianity 101, when this concludes... Every quarter or every two quarters, we have a uh, Ministry of Helps training, and you'll be able to take that and get involved somewhere in the Ministry of Helps. Every Christian is called to be a servant, and the various departments we provide uh, will provide you an opportunity to fulfill this call. You can't be a servant sitting on your hands, and you are called to do more than warm a chair. Ministry departments in our church include street evangelism, security, ushering, bed babies, Toddlers, Children's Church, Royal Rangers, Missionettes, Youth, Television, Sound, Praise and Worship, Jail Ministry, Nursing Home, Maintenance, Cleaning, Hospitality, etc. You should also know we take security very serious around here. Uh, We keep a very tight security on our children in the kids wing. One of the reasons we remodeled that whole area was to keep all of our kids in one place behind a limited access point. We live in a time where custody battles rage. We live in a time where we're ministering to broken families. We have a security team that we call the safety team for legal purposes. Uh, They have walkie-talkies. They have inner earpieces to keep our congregation safe. We're in the old part of town. We have people that walk in off the street on a regular basis. We've cast demons out of people. If you're going to join our church and be involved in the Ministry of Health, we will run a FBI-level background check on you. We do that not to, to limit anybody, but we do that to keep ourselves safe and to keep our church family safe. Your background check, if you're a felon, will not keep you from serving here. It's going to limit where you do serve. We've had convicted murderers come to our church. Didn't bother me a bit. We've had thieves and, and, and all sorts of folks If you're a sex offender, we're going to watch you carefully. If you've been convicted of a child sex crime, you will never be permitted on that side of our church because we don't want to tempt you and we don't want you to violate any kind of probation or legal statute that's working against you. We're going to help anybody we can, but we're going to run a background check. I told one guy, we used to have a lot of ex-cons come through our church due to an extension of our church. And I told one guy, he came and he was serving and he got to be a good church member And he told me that one of his charges against him was grand theft auto, which means he stole a car and drove it across state lines. And I said, I want you to know I love you and I forgive you. And I don't hold that against you, but you're never driving our church van, which I said in jest. He laughed, I laughed, and he never drove our church van. (laughs) Amen. That concludes our first lesson, or as we call it, church history and vision. I trust you've learned something from this. We're honored that you would want to be a part of our church We'd honor that God would call you here to us. Please know it's going to take you some time to get acclimated, both you to us and us to you. But if you're here by the will of God, we want you. If you don't need to be here, we want to help you find where you're called. We want every Christian plugged into the right church God has them in store for them. Because if you're not there, they're vacant and they need you. If you're here and you don't belong here, something's not going to work. But if you belong here and you're called here, we want you here. And we're going to do what we can to minister to you, pastor you, receive your offering, pray for you, have you pray for us, and it'll be a beautiful thing that glorifies Jesus. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the dear listener, the future church member, uh, the dear saint who's maybe brushing up on their curriculum or is just interested about what we do. I call this listener blessed. May they be full of the word of God. May they hunger and thirst after your righteousness, and may your plan for their life be fulfilled. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.